Blog Talk Radio. wrestling what were your main goals and what did you look to achieve when you first started uh when i first started i didn't really know what to expect uh it was in a dingy like auto garage looking place in downtown oakland and uh you know there was a ring in there with a low ceiling, and they were teaching us how to wrestle. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I got my start through Hood Slam um, out of Oakland, California, um, which is an absolutely fantastic company um, and just one of the best live show experiences you can go to, um, period. Um and uh, I got my training started with with uh, with a couple of guys from their crew uh, called the Stoner Brothers. And I don't know, I didn't really have goals per se. I uh, I just finally saw some people like up close and felt like that I saw. And like I, one of the people in particular was Brian Kendrick. Um, watched him wrestle at Hood Slam a few times and. It was seeing him up close and personal that it was like, okay, I'm, I'm the same size as him. I can do this, and uh, yeah, that's what got me on the path. That's pretty cool. You mentioned Brian Kendrick, and you also mentioned 
a city near and dear to my heart for one particular reason and off topic for wrestling for just a minute. But uh, I just love them no matter what. And I don't care if they moved out from Oakland. The Raiders. Yes. You live in a, you live in a hotbed full of um, not only wrestling fans, but, you know, I call them severe misunderstood psychopaths. But now they moved to Vegas. But anyways, I digress. So you saw them do it in influence. So that brings me to my next question. So outside of Mr. Kendrick, who, who is your main inspiration um, behind you, motivating you to want to join the crazy world of uh, crazy sport of professional wrestling? AJ Kirsch. Wow. AJ Kirsch and I met randomly in a car ride. Uh, out to the desert where they hold Burning Man for a uh, 4th of July weekend event. Not Burning Man. Burning Man is later in the year. Uh, And it was being crammed five people in a little Honda Accord um, going out to camp in the desert and just have a blast for a few days out there. Uh, and that was my introduction to wrestling. And then, uh, you know, he obviously did tough enough. And then he was the one who first told me about hood slam because he is, uh, his, or he isn't, but his, uh, his doppelganger, uh, Broseph Joe Brody is the host of hood slam. Um, so yeah, AJ was, and continues to be a huge, uh, motivator and inspiration for me in this business. Well, that's the first time I've heard AJ's name from MLW folks. Uh, I, man, he just, uh, he just uh, wrestled on AEW dark too. I, I figure because I also saw that you've, um, in your past, sorry, folks are my, my stutter. It's when I'm nervous, but, I did my research on you, not to look like a total mark, but um, I always do my research on, on the workers that I interview. Um, I saw that you wrestled Jungle Boy. Yes. And uh wrestled him twice, once in a four-way f- to crown the new AP- the first APW Junior Heavyweight Championship. That match was me, Jungle Boy, uh, the Flying Lion, Marcus Lewis, and uh, at the time known as Manny Faberino, now simply known as Mansoor in WWE. Uh, it was the four of us in that match. And then, yeah, we did a one-on-one after that for the title where he came out on top. You know what, man? <laughs> I love saying this to people, but it's like the people that I've interviewed on the show, not just to toot my own horn just as a teaser. Travis Lip Gordon, Brian Tillman Jr. Um let's see your big bang Ronnie Nicole. She's already a big big deal. I love her to death. Um but I interview okay and also a Philip Stamper. He's a big name too. But dude, I'm telling you, I just from the look of your promo picks, I, I must, you know, indulge. You look like the ultimate well I mean not the ultimate, but the the guy that everyone will boo the fuck out of and just hate 
and love to hate, and I love it simply because. Huh? I I am, it, it, I pride myself on that. I on on definitely being able to to get booze when I want them. Uh, more than that, I pride myself on being able to do that without having to result to like cussing at fans and stuff like that. And that's that's honestly something that really annoys me is when I'll be at a show and or at any show, it can be anywhere, and the promoter will say, you know, don't cuss in the ring or something, and then some baby face will go and start cussing in the ring and the promoter will mark out. And it's like, man, now you're just going to reward him for the bad behavior. And that's, that's stupid. I could cuss and get a great reaction too, but whatever. You don't have to. I I digress. I digress. You're fine. Dude, you're, you're good. I'm just saying like, it doesn't matter to me whether you cuss or not, but you're right. You don't have to curse in order to get a reaction and pop from a crowd, which brings me to my, I'm not gonna always ask questions. I'm just gonna shoot the shoot the breeze with you if you, if will. Um, so when you're hearing a guy promo that's brand new, spanking new in the business, and you're told when you are a worker and a manager or anyone, you build a guy up if you're a heel and you tear him down. Same thing if you're a babyface. Um, what is your biggest peeve outside of? A guy that's brand spanking new who starts cussing and he gets a pop from the crowd and you're just like, really? Um, what's your biggest pet peeve? I just is it think that paragraph? it's a cheap way to get a pop. I think that cussing yeah. is just a cheap way to get a pop with certain crowds. Like, if you're at a bar, cuss all you want. I don't care. But, like, if you're going to go and cuss, and, like, if if you're at a school or something like that and, and you know, or or, like, you know, the whole front row is a bunch of elementary school kids don't go and say f you just to get a big pop out of them that annoys me that's not baby face that's not being a good guy that's not and then people wonder why things don't work the right way it says you break the formula halfway through and then uh sorry go ahead continue no i i I, I just want to point out as a former manager myself that, like, if you cuss as a baby face, I get it. You know, CM Punk did it, and I get it. You know, certain people did it from Ring of Honor and, and not just there, but New Japan and everywhere else. But you're right. If the audience doesn't feel the vibe and they're not the proper audience to do it in front of, you're right. A bar is fine. Um a live house audience at a WWE show, maybe if if the audience is freaking dead as a doornail, and you have to even because some audiences are very we're extremely not, but, picky. But most of I, I I mean most of the people that you're interviewing though aren't that you know indie guys we're not we're not performing in front of fifteen thousand people. Most of us never get the chance to perform in front of fifteen hundred people at one time. So if we're performing in front of a hundred and fifty people, like that's a good night. And it's just one of those things where like if a heel goes out and starts cussing on the mic, they'll get in trouble. They absolutely will get in trouble if you know, but then at least in my experience, but then the baby face, they get away with it because of whatever, stupid politics. Stone Cold got away with it, and now everybody wants to be Stone Cold and wants to be a badass. And 
and and want to succeed, you know. Well, I, I get it, you know, and it's not just the image of Stone Cold that causes, you know, gets with because I think I think some people have compared Becky Lynch and her character to Stone Cold because they didn't care, but at first Becky made the mistake and I'm gonna ask you this question. Which is more important? You know, it's like is it caring what the crowd thinks while you're in character or is it not giving a flying you a flying fuck about what the crowd thinks because to me, if you ask me personally or you ask some people that have been inside the other curtain, don't give a damn about what the crowd thinks. Give a damn about what your character is because if you care too much, then if you're in the East Coast or West Coast for that matter, um, speaking from experience, the crowd is just going to eat it up. To, oh, they mentioned us. Cool. Did you hear that so-and-so mentioned us? Well, sure. So like you, you always got to play the crowd differently and see what you're going to get. And there's going to be times where you'll go out there with a plan, and then the crowd's just going to, you know, you'll realize a minute or two into it that, all right, the crowd's just not not with that, you know. They don't want – they're cheering for me even though we planned for me to be the heel. So that's what we're doing. We're we're just going with that. And, and you got to be able to do it. And a lot of a lot of wrestlers can't do it these days, unfortunately. The sad part is even at the WWE level, like um, not just them at AEW. Also, I've noticed guys that pay way more attention to the audience's reaction and feeding off it's one thing, but paying attention way too much to the audience and what they're popping for. Because some, like I said. It depends on the region in which you're in. It depends on which organization you're in, too. Like, an impact crowd is different from a New Japan crowd, from a New Japan crowd to so on and so forth. The commonality is, nowadays, people pop more for themselves, unfortunately, than they do for the worker, which is sad, but, you know, it's true. <laughs> I think that, that way, I, like, you're absolutely right on that on that part. And I think that part of that happened when people got the idea that wrestling is for everybody means that everybody can be a wrestler. (laughs) Wrestling is for everybody to enjoy. Everybody can enjoy wrestling. But being a professional wrestler is not easy. It is painful. It It is extremely difficult. And and it takes a lot, and there are a lot of people who are going to try really, really hard. They're going to try their hardest, and they will still not be a good enough wrestler to make it big time. Or to even, you know, there are some people who their best isn't good enough to get into the ring for a show at a flea market because they're not safe. And unfortunately, you have to be able to be honest with yourself. I think, and a lot of people aren't being honest with themselves. I think a lot of guys just do, like, it's not a lot of guys, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't generalize, folks, my apologies, but what Steve is conveying to the national audience, he's asking, by the way, at Wrestle underscore radio on Instagram, I know you guys are asking questions, but what he means is, if you 
are not professionally trained and you do a show in the backyard, fine, do whatever you want. As um, Brutal Bob Evans says, it's not anything against the wrestling world. But if you're doing it just because it's a hobby, then it'll just be a hobby. If you're doing it because you really want to do it and you want to pursue this as a career, sometimes wrestling can be very rewarding and sometimes it can be, as he said, it can be painful as all hell. You can feel it the day after. I remember, dude, when I first started uh, wrestling training uh, outside of where I trained, and this was, you know, outside of hmm, the shit that I had been used to, I took a Boston Crab. I was trying to do the push-up, and a guy got nervous and dropped me, and I, I didn't, I was not aware of what was going on. And so when he dropped me, I smashed my face on the canvas, and I got up, and the very next time I got up, I couldn't feel, like, some of my face because the fucker dropped me. And two, the facility that I trained at at the time didn't have a credible trainer. And two, um, also make sure you have said credible trainer. Three, wrestling is a sport, and, and most people don't think that. You have to have some form of athleticism, and you have to be able – the timing is is very key, not just as a manager, wrestler, referee. It's everywhere in wrestling. Timing is key, and uh, as he said, That's another it's thing not most for everyone. don't actually have. Yep. They that's they have to follow their specific script. They have to have everything planned out step by step. Otherwise, they can't handle it. They have no actual natural timing. Uh, you know, I've seen that in the indies where guys will try. And there's another thing. Um, do you believe? And I know people overemphasize this on their shows and stuff. But the one thing that bugs me, dude, is when. Guys do – it's not a bad thing to emulate what you see on the main roster in WWE or AEW or whichever organization you want to emulate, whether it be CZW, MLW. Um, if you want to emulate what luchas do, fine. But uh, please understand, <laughs> originality is key. And if you do an F5, for example, I don't give a – Flying fuck. If you do a stunner, but the one thing that irritates the ever living daylights out of me is improper pile drivers, Canadian destroyers, which, guys, if you don't know how to do certain moves, please don't attempt to do one because you're going to look, Most you're going to make the guy you're working look. Yep. Most Canadian destroyers, it ends up looking. Like the guy giving the move is the one receiving all the damage. Yep. And yeah, you can't find. I don't think you can find footage of me doing a Canadian destroyer. the The only exception to that is with four minutes of heat. I was gonna say I was like, unless you, unless you have four minutes of heat, and also your shine. That's another thing. The baby faces should not be, and this is what my trainer told me, they should never, ever be calling the match unless your name was John Cena or Hulk Hogan or unless you were somehow Ricky facing Steamboat. Marty Chetty. Ricky huh? Steamboat. 
Well, Ricky Steamboat, Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. Greatest baby face of all time. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, unless your name was certain names, to be able to call the match, because traditionally in wrestling, the heel... Well, so I I disagree, because a lot of times it's going to come down to experience, or... True. You know, and and experience isn't just years. Experience is your matches and who you're wrestling, you know, because there are a lot of guys who are 10-year vets who only wrestle five times a year, and that's it. And then you got a whole bunch of other guys out there, guys and girls who go out there and they wrestle 100 times a year. So, you know. In a year or two, they've they've gained more experience than than that vet, you know, in that small area or whatever. So, I agree. I mean, I well, just the way I was taught, man, it was just from a different like from my perspective. It was always like you let the heel like he comes from my trainer came from very like traditional like okay the heel calls the match and this that the other. So that's the way I was taught my training. I'm pretty open to anybody's opinion, but, you know, like, hey, you know, the vet calls the match and whoever's seasoned enough, you know, and wise enough in the ring. I trust, I would trust anybody from Mark Calloway to, you know, Brian Kendrick or to a Brian Pillman Jr. because they know, okay, this is, you know, hey, man, this is how the match is going to flow. This is what we're doing. I, I like guys that take leadership, so I trust, you know, that when they call the match, this is what's going to go down. I I definitely agree with the fact that, or with the notion that if you are, or that you should be trained to be able to call a match if you are working as a heel. But I also think that you need to be able to call a match in there as if you're as a baby face, like they're, they're equally important, you know? Cause they're equally dynamic, but, um, <clears throat> and I get it. So, um, see here I'm realistic actually my questions are always on the fly so um, if you had any worker that you wanted to work like at Madison Square Garden or the Tokyo Dome or actually any venue for that matter I must ask like which worker would you pick and which venue would you pick to uh, work at and which major event would you choose to work like your major at Uh, I still have the Goal, I guess it would be uh, a hope that uh, that Manny Faberino and I are going to get another match on a uh, on a much bigger stage. So, Mansoor in WWE. That's, that's my very match. Choice. You know what? That's a very unique choice, and I've actually. I've seen some of his matches during NXT. He's not, folks. He's a very good worker. And you and I have three Justin. matches uh, also in our pair. No, we have uh, yeah, three or four matches. Four matches. Man, it's a lot. You trained together. I trained with him and Shotzi Blackheart, so... Oh, like, wow! You trained with Shotzi. She's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I, I like three her. Of all got our start together yeah. in the same in the same warehouse. You know what, man? I gotta ask Vix the next question. Well, it's 
probably rhetorical, and you're probably going to laugh and say, dude, I, I'm going to get there. But why the hell are you not in the performance center yet? No clue. Isn't my time yet. Mm. This business goes True. in waves. True. And I must ask, because we spoke earlier about, uh, before the show, folks, about uh, guys and gals and wrestling, well, maybe not gals and wrestling, because you just mentioned Shotzi. That's pretty cool. Um, but we did mention Danny Cage. Have you been to one of Danny's camps before? I have not had a chance to be to one of his camps yet. But I have a, I do follow him, and I I keep a, I keep tabs on what he says and and all the all the everything that he's putting out. Or I try to keep tabs on everything he's putting out. But yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely am aware of him. And if I'm able to make it out to the East Coast and uh, and up to his area, I I definitely am gonna gonna do what I can to get into the Monster Factory. I'm pretty sure, dude. Like if Danny, not just him, those whomever's at that camp. Because when I went there, it was. Uh, Hurricane Helms, Les Thatcher, Rudy Gonzalez, and um, Mr. Pritchard, Dr. Pritchard, not Bruce, but Tom, you know. And so uh, I just, I just, man, I want to point out, though, that Danny is, he's very upfront, blunt, and honest. You know, he's like, I, I use the models that NXT and all the other wrestling organizations use. If you don't listen to me, you know, fine you know you you do what you want to do but i basically set out a model that is very similar to what you'll be working with in ring of honor wwe new japan so on and so forth yeah and uh going to his camp twice dude was actually i mean i'm not i realized after going to his camp i'm not the guy that wwe may want but maybe there's another role for me and um he's very like I said, not just up front, but he cares. And you can tell that his kids that he trains, they come from a very prominent place and they're very fortunate and blessed, you know, to be training under him because that man truly knows what the hell he's talking about. And I would, when everything, when the pandemic clears and when he has his camp again, dude, as far as looking at not just your profile pic, but other pictures and watching some of your matches on YouTube, my God, man, like I said, I don't understand why I guess, you know, you haven't been picked up yet because you're very, you're a very talented wrestler. And I've from, and it's not just flattering per se. No, I think I'm not pretty sure. I looked and I was like, wow, I feel like I'm watching a pretty damn good match because I actually am being told a story and I'm one of those fans that's very picky with his stuff. And I, and I saw a few of your matches before we spoke and I was like, Hmm, you know, it it begs the question, why hasn't this guy been picked up yet? You know, it all goes in waves. You know, there's plenty of other people out there who have traveled and put a whole lot more miles on the road and paid a lot more dues and they still haven't gotten picked up, you know? So it's just, it just wasn't, it it hasn't been the right time yet. But I mean, if you pay attention, like they're all still looking, they're all still hiring They're you know, yeah, a lot of indie shows have stopped, but wrestling is still going. If you can, you know, if you can find the places, if you can find, 
find the opportunities and, and, and create the opportunities. And that's a big part of it that a lot of people don't realize is that opportunities are created. And, you know, and then a lot of times you're going to get the opportunity and you're not even going to realize it, or you're going to get the opportunity and you're not going to have, you're not going to be prepared to take advantage of it. And then other times you're going to get the opportunity and you're going to fall flat on your face. So, or you'll notice the opportunity right after it goes past, but you can't, can't focus on the what ifs, can't focus on, you know, I can't focus on 2018, can't focus on 2020. All I can focus on is today, tomorrow, and and what's ahead. So, dude, you know what? You have you? I gotta ask you this next question. Have you met Brutal Bob Evans? Yes. It was not exactly the greatest of circumstances and everything, but I have met him. I, was gonna say, I doubt he remembers me because that was the same day he met Shotzi. And Shotzi is like the only person you'll remember with, you know, if you meet 10 new people and she's one of them, she's, you know, she's the one you're going to remember. Well, I'm, I'm sure Uncle Bob, I like to call him Uncle Bob, but Dude, you like exude what he looks for in like workers that are very humble and and look to the future, not their past. And it's just like you're reciting basically what he said at a seminar that I attended. And I'm like, wait, is this guy? I wonder if he's come across brutal Bob Evans because this dude was also you know associated and affiliated with Danny, and also has connections in the wrestling business. As many of us know. And when you started stating, you know, stuff that, like, God, man, like I said. I'm, the one, you know, the one who has more of a responsibility for that is, uh, isn't Bob Evans. Um, but, I mean, I, I have nothing negative. I, I, I have, like, two things negative that I could say about him, but I won't. You know, it was just a bad experience, and it's whatever. But the person that I, that I got, uh, got this attitude from was uh, Ryklon Stevenson, a.k.a. Ezekiel Jackson. Oh. Yeah. Um, I think he was so at one of Sammy Callahan's shows. Uh, I'm not sure if he did Sammy Callahan's show, but I know that he uh, he's also uh, Will Hobbs' trainer. Powerhouse Will Hobbs. Yep. I was gonna say those, those names are that you're saying and ringing off. Like most of my guests on my show, like I get a very variety of guests that come on here uh, from the past that have mentioned a few other you know names. And Hobbs has not been mentioned, and also AJ Kirsch, uh, which has not been mentioned as well. And uh, not just those names mentioned, but also, dude, I gotta go outside of well, that's not outside of wrestling, but since you started working, man. And you've dealt with fans that have been crazy and they've, you know, threatened or what, maybe not threatened, but, you know, said some stupid shit. But I got to ask this question. I always ask my guests this question. What is the weirdest thing that a fan has said, done, or offered to you 
and you've been and you just had to take a minute to, to laugh and go, okay, you know what? No, now's not the time to offer me this or do this or say this to me. But I appreciate the flattery, but no. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Uh, I mean, I get people asking me what size feet I wear and like if they can have pictures of me and my gear that I haven't posted online and stuff like that. Uh, but nah, nobody really DMs me. I got, I got boring DMs. Oh, no, like that's me at the hotel, man, type thing. Or no, I, I, Look, I'm a I'm a hell of a wrestler. I just haven't figured out how to get over yet, unfortunately. And uh and so so I, I guess the weird fans don't know me. So <laughs> like they just don't know who I am yet. Yeah. It's not, it's not like I mean, I don't know. There was someone there was someone who just went around and asked like they created a new Instagram profile and they asked like every independent wrestler about their feet and you know do you have big feet just so you know just so anybody listening like if you're thinking about sending us that type of stuff we're just gonna mess with you oh boy if we acknowledge (laughs) you we're just gonna mess with you so like you're not gonna get anything serious from us That's so. kind of weird to ask about feet because that's just, I mean, <laughs> like, I, okay, so I asked the question and one person said that he said when a fan asked him to, actually it was my previous guest, he he was asked to sign a bra. And I'm like, that's not so weird. And then I thought, I was like, never mind. I just put that, in, registered that in my head. So <laughs> I, I guess... It's like, well, you know, people ask weird things. You know, it's wrestling. Wrestling fans are wrestling, and uh, uh, it is what it is. So, anyways, um, moving forward, let's let's. I like when I like. I've had I've had wrestling fans in like some podunk town that like you've never heard. It's a town of like a thousand people, right? And then they'll like yeah. they'll mention that you're making your debut, or or maybe you're not even on the, you know you're on you're you're in a dark match or something, or you're in a battle royal. And that's all it is. And then a fan will ask you like, you ever been here before? Or like, you from here? It's like no, like you know I'm not uh, from here. One, I have all <laughs> of my teeth. Two, we clearly don't oh, have the no. same accent. Three, like. No, you know everybody in town. <laughs> Wrestling fans are funny. I, I, yeah, it, it's because, like I said, like I said earlier, it's to acknowledge their own hometown, or the fact that did you hear that we started this chant? Um. Okay. One, I appreciate the valor and the fact that you acknowledge the fact that you got a chant started for yourself. But two, it's not about you. It's about the workers. Damn it! It's not about that's the thing about today's fans. It's like, they didn't acknowledge us. They didn't even mention us. Like, <laughs> dude, who's making the money and who's entertaining us? It's it's the workers, not us. So like, are we in the ring, you know, 
taking uh shower bomb or whatever. Oh, okay, folks. So I'm gonna wrap this up here fairly soon. But um, I just want to point out, dude, I've been having a good time shooting shit with you. It's been hell of a fun time. And I, like I said, yeah, I'm man. surprised that no agent has picked you up yet because you got such a – you got the attitude that I think Hunter would want or Cody would want. It's not just me saying this, but if I was an agent, like – oh, I don't know. I'm just mentioning names that I know, like Hurricane Helms or Abyss. And I would sit there and listen to you talk. I'd be like, just five, just five, not five seconds, but five minutes into the dialogue between the two of us. I'm like, you know what? This dude gets it because some workers, they make it pretty much, you know, okay, this is what I'm about, you know, and it's, I'm in it for me, you know, the whole Kevin Nash mantra, which is if you think I did it for the money, you were probably right. It's whatever you want yeah. this business, but this is not – I'm sorry, sir. Go yeah, I, I haven't made that much money yet, and uh, I don't know. I've always lived modestly. I, uh, I'm i more about the uh, the mankind or, you know, Mick Foley status of uh, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you save. And, and it's also a rarity among guys because some guys live the lobster steak dinner type diet and they don't know quite what to do with their money when they do make it. And it's sad, but it's true. Some guys don't. Some guys and some guys, some gals do. But um, there's nothing wrong know, with getting a lobster or a steak. It's just about knowing where to get your lobster or steak. Go ahead, get your lobster in Maine. Get your steak in in Texas. Go ahead and do that. I'm I'm all for it. Or if you got the money to to you know if you got the extra cheddar, go ahead treat yourself. I'm not above that. But yeah, I hear you. A lot of people like but, uh, keeping up with the Joneses and and that that's not my that's not my game. So if you have okay, real quick before we wrap this up, man. Um, if you had one person outside of Mansoor that you wanted to reconnect with in the wrestling business, uh, wrestling business, as far as like match goes, collaboration goes, like who would you want to be like, Hey man, can we work again? Who would it be and why? Um, to work again. Mm-hmm. Or like, um, or who would you doing just something you with Jungle Boy? Boy. Well, doing okay. something with Jungle Boy would certainly be dope. Um, at the same time, doing something, having a program with uh, with Will Hobbs would be really special and would mean a lot to me on a personal level. Um, so, yeah. I'll say Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs, that's cool. All right. All right, before, like I said, before we go and, like, this not be roundabout, um, so how can fans reach you on your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Like, um, specifically, can you yeah, so the way fans can reach you? Uh, yeah, so I am on Facebook, Steven Tresario. That's T R E S A R I O. 
uh, on Instagram at redsnapper.tresario. And then also on Twitter, you can find me uh, at Tresario Snaps. All right. And is there any shout-outs you want to give before you sign off here, sir? Uh, Shout-out to the man who should have been signed by AEW to be the librarian, the true librarian, Richard Dick Mary. Okay. All right, sir. Um, yeah. Okay, so I realize the time is of the essence, and I thank you for being here on Wrestle Radio Network or Off the Rails Uncensored, the sister show of Wrestle Radio Network, dude. Um, thanks for being patient with me. I'm sorry I fell asleep. Um, my apologies for the delay in time, and thank you, sir, for being patient with me. No worries. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. All right, sir. Sorry, right, folks. That was. Steven Tresario and we thank him for being on the show and we hope to see him next time right here on Wrestle Radio Network um, thanks dude, sorry I put you on mute for a bit, I just had to take care of something for just a bit when someone was handing me my index cards, but anyway, thank you dude for no being worries. on the show um, and you have a good night thank you again man, have a good one alrighty so that was Steven Tresario on Wrestle Radio Network. And we thank him for being on the show. We hope to see him again sometime in the coming months. Right now, folks, we're going to review NXT and AEW, but for the time being, we're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification right here on Off the Rails Uncensored. Tonight was a continuation of the Dusty Classic, starting off with Drake Maverick and Killian Dane versus MSK. And let me read these results because <clears throat> I did watch it. I just have to go in chronological order, folks. My apologies for falling asleep. God almighty, I need to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> yes, I agree, dude. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. It's great. The Grizzled Young Veterans, Leon Ruff and Kushida. I like these matchups in the Dusty Classic, and I think that they, like I said, they did tell a story, and obviously, uh, no, but I... <laughs> Let's see here. I'm handing my in. Thank you, Vinny. <laughs> well, I would hope... No, I mean, I really would hope. 
today is the 27th. Thank you. I was like, yes, Vinny, I'm well aware. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Thank you for handing me the right cards for this time. Okay, so... <laughs> MSK one really? I forgot. I like I said, I was falling asleep half night. So the women's Dusty Rhodes tag team classic Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Jesse Camilla and Aaliyah. I'm guessing Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Go figure. Holy cow! Wait a minute. Kurt Stallion. Wow! What an entrance. So okay, we are not worthy. Blah blah blah. They, they had a lot of uh, signings that they see here, the Dusty Classic. So, MSK beat. So, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor win non title match against Lorcan and Birch. I noticed that Serena Deeb and Riho face one another. That's interesting. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm flipping back and forth between AEW and NXT lately, and uh, that's. Fairly interesting picture right there. So they have Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly versus Oni Larkin and Danny Burch. So they're building up to this. Fairly interesting, right? It's from the Capitol Wrestling Center, Finn Balor and O'Reilly team of Pete Dunn's Oni Larkin and Danny Burch. Okay, so they show highlights. So Killian Dane and Drake Maverick versus MSK. Okay, so... Maverick and Wes Lee. So MSK is no joke, folks. They they've advanced to semifinals, I guess, or quarterfinals, whichever it is. MSK beat Killian Dane and Maverick, so semifinals, okay. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus Aaliyah and Jesse Camilla. That's interesting. Both heel teams. The winners will face Candice Array and Indy Hartwell. That ought to be interesting. I like Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae, kind of, sort of. Uh, Tyler Rust versus some guy. That's horrible to put some guy on there and not even give him a name. Come on. Benny, you ass. You didn't even write his name on a fucking card. Rust manager Malcolm Bivens. Another one of Monster Factory's... uh, Chinese, right? Tyler Rose defeats Rios. How did some guy? Holy shit. You just put... I'm not even with you tonight. He's laughing his butt off, folks. Kushida and Leon Ruff versus the Grizzled Youngs. Now this is a good match. Zach Gibson promos to the ring as usual. I love Gibson. He's one of my favorite dudes of all time from NXT UK. So outside of Walter... Zach Gibson, um, there's a few that I mean, okay, so who won? The Grizzled Young Veterans, of course. They're going to be in the semifinals as well against MSK, I'm guessing. And then Stallion laid out backstage, general manager, and it says Legato. Okay, because Kurt Stallion showed up to the show. Wow, that's interesting. I saw Stallion before... um, So, Tony Storm, 
talks about how she wants to destroy Io Shirai. Then McKenzie interviews Isaiah Swerve Scott and wants to know why he stopped or stepped to Bronson Reed. Um, mm-hmm. Undisputed Era, Timothy Thatcher, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Tommaso Ciampa in the fight pit. I want to recall this one because I did see that one. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Bronson Reed. I wonder who. Wow. No surprise there. Bronson Reed beat Isaiah Swerve Scott. Balor and Kyle O'Reilly obviously beat Danny Birch and Orny Lorcan in a non-title match. How'd they win, though? Let's see. Finn Balor da, 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 via submission. Okay, so then there's a nod. I, I honestly don't know, folks, how this is going to pan out between Balor and O'Reilly. It keeps you guessing, and that's what I love about NXT. I also love the fact that <clears throat> For the first time ever, they're involving the women in a Dusty Cup Classic. I guess the winner gets a future shot at the uh, women's tag team championships on the main roster. I think that's pretty cool. If you ask, if you're asking a uh, well, a regular Joe Schmo wrestling fan like myself, but uh, <laughs> AEW time to review them. I think it was just the year in review for AEWs. And I hate saying that because it makes it sound like a modern lingo uh, talking bastard. So I, I for one, do not use the words legit or uh, that was lit or, oh, this is on fire. Like, I seriously, dude, I love the, I love your enthusiasm. And I love the fact that you listen to my show. I just don't I'm not familiar with fleek or or what some words mean. I have to look it up on Google. I'm that guy. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not a bad thing and I know that you're using terms that I don't know. It's just I I don't know. So, okay. Hmm. So, the result for tonight says the road to revolution continued Wednesday. Darby Allen and Sting addressing their upcoming street fight with tag team or with Team Taz's Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. So Sting is a baby face. I think that was, I don't care what he is. He's a good wrestler, but I question the fact that he's going to be in a street fight, though. Oh, well. We'll see. He gave an audience a taste of the direction the product will take heading into the upcoming pay-per-view extravaganza. So they're, they're having their pay-per-view, and WWE is having Royal Rumble. I love it. I love it to death. So who merged victoriously from nice in-ring action? How are the promo statements? But I don't care. There's Jericho and MJF versus Varsity Blondes. Jungle Boy versus Dax Harwood, Tully Blanchard. Ken Cash Wheeler will be handcuffed to Luchasaurus. The Young Bucks and Good Brothers versus Dark Order, Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer, Dr. Britt Baker versus Shayna, Hangman Page versus Ryan Nemeth, Darby Allen and Sting address their Revolution Street fight, and Cody Rhodes uh, responds to Shaq. I still question the fact that Shaquille O'Neal's in the ring. He doesn't really. Not everybody. If it's a draw, it's a draw. Um. John Moxley speaks out about his beach break match against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. I mean, this is fairly intriguing, compelling TV, folks, but um, 
Let me just point out that Bleacher Report's not the best of finds and not Forbes, uh, STB Nation, Ringside News. Ringside News may have it, but then they never figure in, in uh, continuing their fucking results. If you have a long-ass blog, and it's not that bad because obviously it's the most popular to go off of, right? I d- really, they gave the same format. A. Kingston makes his entrance, followed by Lance Archer, accompanied by Jake the Snake Roberts. Archer tells him to go to the back, and why the fuck is there an advertisement right before I'm reading the results, you fuckface? I, okay, although I appreciate the premium SUV ad, dude, really? Let me just hit the back button. Nope. Okay, there's the AEW Dynamite results. So, it tells Jake Snake to go back, and he wants to go it alone, and Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston, who wins this match? Kingston wins. All three men attack Archer after the bell. Okay, so they run down the car. The Moxley talks about the Young Bucks and Omega. Theorizes that they're all working together, and then commercial break. And then Sting talks and says Team Taz throws out false accusations. Say that calls hoodlum. Darby is a hoodlum. Darby says it's all about survival. Blah blah blah. MJF makes an entrance with the inner circle. Crowd sings Judas. Varsity Blonde's already in the ring, and Jeff says him and Sammy need to talk after the match. Says he embarrassed Griff Garrison last night. Okay, Garrison attacks MJF. Jericho and MJF versus the Varsity Blondes. That's an interesting tag name, to say the least. Um, so it was Garrison and Pillman Jr. That's interesting, because the Hollywood Blondes was his dad's tag team name, not to sound like a total mark, but, you know. Let's see here, Jericho, and your three counts, so big splash. Okay, Garrison runs wild, big splash, and double spear from Garrison. Tillman then tags in, and then let's see here. Lion salt from Jericho to get one, two, three. Jericho and MJF win, so commercial break. Shaq calls out Cody Rhodes. Oh, God. This is one thing I, I understand that WWE has done, a few other places have done with wrestling that involves celebrities. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Don't know because he calls him out. Aaron and Jaren Shoot says he's ever getting shoot out. Says Cody's about to be a dad and that is the most important thing in his life. Okay then. Alright. Cool. Because yes, Brandy is pregnant and that's besides the point. So Shaq calls him out. Red Velvet. So Aaron introduces Red Velvet. Says Red Velvet has fire. Wow, so now Velvet says he's going to stir Jade's bitch ass up. Shemani says the ball's in Shaq and Jade's court. Video of Kip and Penelope. They're excited to get married. Okay. Hangman Page makes an entrance. All right. Outside of all the accolades, or not accolades, outside of all the shit that's going on, Chops in the corner, Nemeth escapes. So, Hangman Page versus Ryan Nemeth is next after the commercial break. And he is wearing, yes, I do realize he's related to Dolph Ziggler. You don't have to point out the obvious, folks. Matt Hardy enters to scout. Nemeth does a bouncing wrist lock. 
let's see here. They basically took note of Ziggler. You took note of Ziggler and his brother being very similar in the ring to one another. Hangman Page wins the match. So Matt Hardy cheers on Page. Tony enters the ring and asks Matt and Page what's going on. And Matt says he is just here to support Page. Okay. Tully Blanchard will be handcuffed to Luchasaurus to prevent outside interference. Jungle Boy makes his entrance. Marco Stunt sent to the back. Dex Harwood versus Jungle Boy. Okay, there's lockup. Dex forces him in the corner. Jungle Boy, okay, I'm going to skip past all that. Suplex from Jungle Boy and sends Dax to the outside. This is the baseball side. Gets driven. Okay, I'm not going to read every single note. Jungle Boy wins. Jungle Boy locks in the share, t- share trap. Dax taps out. Okay, who? Let's see, barricade. So, commercials and Taz. Response Sting and Darby says Rocky and Brain are ready to destroy Sting and Darby. Chaz says they're going to beat Sting and Darby's ass in a street fight. Dr. Britt, so after all that, Dr. Britt Baker versus Shayna. Uh, is this the main event? No. Okay. Young Bucks and the Good Brothers versus the Dark Order. Evil Uno and Anderson start shoulder block from Uno for an atomic drop. So it's like, okay, Gallows laughs at him still. <laughs> I laughed at him too. Gallows and goes down on one knee. Silver punches him in the face and attacks Nick Jackson. Okay, who wins this match? Okay. So Phoenix runs out to attack. Moxley also comes out to attack the Good Brothers. Kenny Omega tries to attack Moxley but gets hit with a paradigm shift. Moxley celebrates, so Dynamite ends with commentators running down the card for next week's beach break. Alright, I guess I'm going to start this party off since I've got 44 minutes left, and I had an awesome guest who I've got to say thank you to. And obviously my phone charger is being a dick, but you know, it's a different story, folks, for a different day. Um, I just want to point out, folks, that um, the following content contains expletives. And if you let your children listen to the show, I am not apologizing for what is repeated to the principal. Because this show, like I said, contains expletives and inappropriate language for minors under the age of 18. And if again, if they repeat this stuff... I am not going to be the one held responsible because there was a disclaimer at the beginning of the segment. Off the Rails Uncensored is a trademark podcast that began on March 7, 2016. It's been five years running, fuckers, and almost in March. So, without further ado, buckle up because you're about to journey inside my head. I cannot guarantee that you will not come out the same or that you won't get offended. So, Without further ado, monkeys in the truck. Hit my music.
I must say so myself, I do want to touch base with what McIntyre and Undertaker were arguing their points, and I'm going to read direct quotes so that I'm not quoting bullshit, because I am the type that loves to quote directly, not, this is what this person said, and guess what they said, that's just fucking wrong, so... Uh, do do do. I'm trying to find it. Do do do. McIntyre disagrees. There it is. I don't know if it's one big word. So, he said that I don't agree whatsoever. He says, Drew McIntyre disagrees with the Undertaker's claim that the current WWE product is soft. The dead men took aim at the way Vince McMahon's company is operating and admitted it is difficult to watch. He told Joe Rogan Experience Podcast, I try. It's, it's tough right now for me. The product has changed so much. It's kind of soft. I'll probably piss a lot of people off, but they need to hear it. It is what it is. Uh, to the young guys who think he's a bitter old guy, I'm not bitter. I did my time and walked away when I wanted to walk away. I just wanted to think the product's a little soft. These are There are guys here and there that have an edge to them, but there's too much pretty and not enough substance, I think, right now. McIntyre hit back at The Undertaker by insisting WWE is more physical than ever before. Uh, let's see, for Skeeta, especially from an in-ring perspective, I've listened to part of it. I've got to listen to the whole thing. It's pretty new, but I think he may have been referring to, like, the kind of storylines and characters. The co-host I was on the show was a fan of the Attitude, and I think they were perhaps referring to some of the outlandish storylines. Back in the day, they were more sexual-based, more like risque, 18+. Our current product is PG. There's only so far we can push it, and we're willing to push it. There are certain things from back in the day that were awesome and certain things that were not awesome that I wouldn't go back to. So I'm not sure if it was more like that perspective when it comes to that story is not being as an adult-based as it used to be. We're walking a good line right now, but when it comes to in-ring game, that's just not true at all. It's never been more physical. Okay, I can see that it wasn't a disrespect or saying, hey, you're totally wrong. My take on the whole thing with Undertaker and why I side with him versus Drew is simply because I grew up during the Undertaker's era and Drew McIntyre wasn't even a thing back then. He was doing ICW, folks. And that's a disrespect, but he McIntyre worked his ass off. And the Undertaker, who came from training that basically told you if you didn't understand how to call a match understand own your craft earn the respect of the boys by working hard and busting ass I mean look both guys are definitely contrast to one another and they definitely exude what hard work would look like if it were you know picture of hard work or define if hard work was an actual word, one word, and it's not. 
The Undertaker's picture be next to it, and so would Drew McIntyre's. Now, as far as deferring opinions goes, The Undertaker's right. It's not edgy enough, and McIntyre, well, it's PG. That A lot of people have been debating whether or not they should drop the PG label. I'm one of those guys that if you entertain me, and it's inter- and it, there's a story that's being told, and I am told said story in a perfect manner. I just want to point out, thank you, because that's what I told Mr. Tresario was that if I'm told a story, I'm not going to be as picky. I'm going to love what I see on TV. If it's really shitty, and you overdo something, for example, the Shield story angle, which it fit in certain ways and didn't fit in other ways, and it was annoying to constantly see a constant return and revamp of the Shield, a repackage, it was fucking annoying. As far as not being edgy enough and not being true to yourself, you know, your character, what the Undertaker's saying is it's hard to watch because there's some guys that are all about finesse and all about themselves essentially and not putting a good product out there. What he means by that is folks, not that they're bad talents. It's that they're not pushing people to go watch their shit. When he was around, yeah, he had lots of guys, loads of guys to compliment him, not just Mick Foley or Triple H. Not just Hugo Brown and The Godfather. And I can list off more that complimented. He was very, I guess, blessed to be around so much talent and work, even the modern guys today, because the man's work, let's see here, in four different decades, man. 88, 98, actually 87, 97, 2007, 2017. So almost four decades, so three and a half. And out of those three and a half decades compared to McIntyre's 15-year, 10-year career, even outside of WWE, and he had to re, uh, resurface his career. I just want to point out, man, that it's very difficult when you're trying your damnedest to watch today's product and not you know, be like, okay, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you pull the fucking trigger? McIntyre says that, you know, our product is PG and we're pushing, we can't push as much as, uh, we can't push the limit as much as they did before when it was more of a sexually explicit, you know, more violent content. Well, now it's getting to the violent point. It's getting to the absolute violent point, man, where... You know, you're seeing Randy Orton take a fireball from Alexa Bliss. I haven't seen a fireball since 1999 when China took one from Kane. It was dramatic. You know, I guess, you know, there's some nervousness if you've never used a fireball through an independent show or just a piece of fucking tape. And, you know, you take it, you light it, and there you go. So my thing is, if the product's going to be edgy, they need to do... More research, no. They just need to do it. On the fly, keep you on the edge of your seat type thing. Because right now, does AEW have or hold an edge over WWE as far as content goes and production-wise? I don't know, because having Shaquille O'Neal involved, that's the umpteenth time that he's been involved in professional wrestling. 
Is there a reason why you involve a celebrity? Possibly because you're getting a lot of Twitter or tweets and it's just going to be one big social media fest, you know, when a celebrity gets involved like Snooki or hell, I don't know. Upon a time, E.T.'s co-host, Maria, she got involved. Who was there on Twitter back then when Lawrence Taylor? The point is, folks, to make your product edgy. You don't need a whole bunch of celebrities, but what you do need is to give the fans something to look forward to, a story to tell. What story are you telling? How well are you telling it? And if your audience is enthralled with it, if they're not in, if they're not interested or intrigued or enthralled, then you're fucked. And right now, WWE's product is garnering not so high ratings because it's improved here. Then it you know it has its hit and miss moments. They went up against Monday Night Football and they failed miserably. So I'm gonna look up the ratings, folks, because I gotta be accurate. I I love. Uh, not the versus AEW, but um, maybe I should do that. But here's the thing. So, yes, I know it's been like I don't, I don't care about that. So, AEW, WWE ratings. I'm going to go with Raw ratings and see what's going on. In 2021, so far, in a few weeks, WWE Raw rating suffers drop ahead of WWE Royal Rumble 2021. Wow. 1.820 million, which is a drop on last week's average of 1.855 million. Breaking it down to single hours, the first hour of last night's Raw had 1.904 million. The second hour had 1.838, and the final hour pulled in 1.716. Well, the first two hours are slightly down on last week's equivalent ratings. This week's final hour just about edges the prior Monday's 1.697 million viewers for the third hour. All this means that Raw ranked number 23 in cable viewership for Monday night, which is an improvement on last week's 34. On the top 150, Raw won out as the number one show in the key 18 to 49 demographic. With this largely down to how this is the second Monday night in a row where Raw hasn't faced competition from the NFL. See my point? If you have, and it's not just them going up against Monday night football. It's the fact that it's not the same as it was from when it first started. It was low when it was getting up there to the attitude era not just the attitude era, but when it was going against guys and shows like ECW and WCW. Competition made Vince and the people around him want to strive harder to make the product more edgier, more in tune with the people, because Russo said on Dark, of the, or Dark Side of the Ring, they wanted an edgier product. They wanted wrestling to be modernized. They They had the attention of college students. So you can imagine that every Monday they'd be glued to their TV set and then 
they were the guys that you didn't want to fool because if you did, they'd be like, how dare you insult our intelligence? Wrestling's product now, it's so hard to sit through five gajillion fucking promos and then sit through another you know set of matches that we've already seen, but it's just figuring different people because you have you're afforded the talent that uh, you're given, right? So because of COVID nineteen, it does put a lot of restrictions on who you can face face off with one another. Like okay, Alexa Bliss versus Oscar. So they've evolved her character and basically turned Oscar into somebody's bitch. Yet again. No matter what you do in the world of professional wrestling, you're never going to satisfy a certain group of people. I keep saying that. And before I go off more into tangent, I want to say what's up to the peeps who have been listening to my show. Latvia, Indonesia, Australia, Canada, US of A, Germany, Russia, Tokyo, Japan, Rome, Venice, Toscana. Sydney, I love all you guys listening to my show. I mean, I love you listening to my craziness. I just want to point out, if you want to reach out to me, it's wrestle underscore radio for the Instagram. It's at underscore Brian Rails on Twitter. On Facebook, it's wrestle radio forward slash wrestle radio network forward slash facebook.com. Again, thank you all for listening to this craziness that I spew out every fucking week. I appreciate you. I love you guys. Thank you for supporting me through the thick and thin and also the very few shows that I did in 2020. Anyways, back to the point. The product is not intriguing enough for people to tune in. It's kind of why Lady Lynn took a sabbatical, took some time off. She will occasionally be appearing this year. Occasionally, if she does decide to, it's not. It's cool, whatever. I think that the one thing that I really would like to point out, folks, is that today's product doesn't give us an element to look forward to. The only thing that's going for the show is Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton, and Bray Wyatt on Raw's side. They Turning characters that were once dominant in the NXT into characters that are now submissive and just going along with what people tell them to do, that's fine in some aspects. From a professional standpoint, you do what you're told. And the reason why I'm ticked off, not just about Asuka, but also about Shinsuke, they had an opportunity on SmackDown Live to capitalize on Shinsuke versus Roman for the title. Now you include Kevin Owens, and I don't have an issue with Kevin Owens. But from a fan's perspective, you know, when Roman attacked Shinsuke, and Shinsuke went ahead and got his revenge, but then you go ahead and put Kevin Owens in his place because you want to continue the story because you fucked up. On one aspect, because Kevin Owens has been a huge part of the Roman Reigns rivalry with himself. Roman Reigns rivalry with uh, Kevin Owens. So, that's one thing. The constant changing shit on the fly doesn't quite work in today's world. I mean, there's a lot of changes in the back. I don't like that. I don't like that. Dude, this is just as bad as when, okay... Al Davis ran the Raiders. I love Al, but sometimes the business decisions that were made for the team in the 90s were not that great. You know, I, uh, 
Vince, good guy, but like Al Davis. Just win, baby, doesn't win you things all the time, man. It's a good philosophy. I love it. You're a bunch of misfits. Start utilizing the pieces, man. Start making things relatable to the audience again. That's why they're, this, the ratings are sitting at 1.697. Ew, that's fucking low. Wake up, man. There's no audience there. There won't be an audience till WrestleMania where 16,000 people will be going to Raymond James Stadium amidst the uh, high rate of 25 million people with COVID. I, you know, I really wish I could go, but I can't. It's very important that you tell the audience a story. It's very important that you give the audience what they want. Some of you don't know what you want, but give the audience like something to feed off of. And don't kill it the minute it starts getting white hot because you don't agree with it. Oh, my God, the people started liking it, so we got to change it so they can like something else. Stop doing that shit. Okay? The whole story that was killed between Nakamura and Reigns, why? There's something that I don't know of the production team that doesn't like Asian people because, honestly, they're like, well, that's not the truth. We love Asuka. We love Io Shirai. We love uh, Kushida and Shinsuke Nakamura. Are you fucking kidding me? So explain yourselves as to why Asuka has been completely submissive towards the idea that she's been everyone's bitch, including Charlotte's flares, you know, Charlotte Flair's. And also, the fact that she loses to Alexa Bliss, which she could basically snap in half if she wanted to. But she's playing along with the Bliss's evolution of her character, which is fine. I get it. What I don't understand is, though, how Oscar goes from NXT to literally dominating most of the females that she beat on that roster was Sasha Bailey, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair. But when she got it to main roster, so I'm supposed to understand that she's supposed to lose now, be on a complete losing streak because certain somebody has an agenda to be, oh, well, the boss doesn't want it, so we got to give it to him. Fuck up, you fucking racist bastard. The Hurt Business. If you give, if you give MVP the reins, not saying that all the inmates can run the asylum in wrestling, but son of a bitch, what he did in Impact is different than what he could be doing in WWE. Are you kidding me? The man can talk. The man can work. So why hasn't he been given the reins? Like, Adam, you ought to add a version of something that no one in wrestling has seen. In today's current product, it would be huge if you just added like BLM shirts and go out on national TV because oh we don't want to get complaints motherfucker that's how you get ratings is by doing stuff that's edgy end quote that's what the Undertaker's talking about there's nothing edgy about any of the product there's some guys that are great he said but they're just not the full they're just not it they're they're concerned about the pretty instead of the product He's not saying they're terrible, but 
Based on what I've seen, based on what he's seen, it's going to be a different perspective. He's going to say, I love the guys, and they're, you know, they're talented, they're athletic, but they're not pushing the envelope enough to where fans are going to want to tune in and be like, hey, I want to watch your shit. Hey, I want to tune in, and I want to watch what you're giving us. That's the sad part, that now you're given the choice of being – How many times can we change our mind before the card actually goes out live on air? Card subject to change. That's what it says on every bit of the card. I get it. Some things are straight wrestling and fans complain about that. We don't need promos. We need action. Promos can fit where they fit. It's not just about talky talk. And sometimes Raw seems like that because the Hurt Business comes out, it's like, man... It's a too much blend of the Heart Foundation, and that's kind of the wrong time period to be doing that kind of gimmick. Especially with, if you look at the evolution in that chain, it's like uh, you've got Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, MVP, and Bobby Lashley. So in other words, folks, you've got another nation of domination, and that's a very edgy gimmick in itself. Right now, you can include stuff like Black Lives Matter. Not just Black Lives Matter, but you could do a lot with that gimmick and make it more edgy. Not just one gimmick. Not all about <clears throat> the flashy pizzazz and muscle and all that. The her business just that the new day was around. I guarantee you. You can't change them now because fans are expecting them to be baby-faced for life. The Street Profits, hmm. You could combine a lot of people to make a story work, but combining is not just the half of it. It's how you your presentation is nine-tenths of the law in wrestling. If you don't present something to where people can actually comprehend or talk about or discuss in a positive light, that's why your ratings are sitting at 1.6. And it's sad that that article basically just stated because their numbers have improved due to the fact that Monday Night Football is not on anymore and the fact that people are bored out of their fucking minds and want to watch something other than UFC, which is, you know, a huge deal in the world because people want to either emulate it, wear the shorts, wear the shirts, they want to see a guy like Conor McGregor knock the fuck out of somebody just because, you know. Or they say that, you know, oh, that's real wrestling. In a sense, they're still rolling around barefoot with each other. And they're still, you know, have naked men, in, you know, in shorts doing what? Rolling around with one another. So there you go. I don't know what intrigues dudes to do that. Maybe they want to try it on their friends. They want to put a play wrestle around, but who gives a fuck? If you're not reaching your audience, which is what The Undertaker was trying to say, fucking someone push the envelope. Someone push that button. Someone, you know, get pulled in the back of the office, not get fired, but someone do it. CM Punk was the last guy on God's green earth to test Vince's patience. Did Vince like it? Probably not. 
Like, Garen, fuck TU. The hatchet still ain't buried because of what Punk was literally doing on TV to get the show ratings. Despite the fact that, you know, Stone Cold, the big show, Undertaker, big boss man back in the day, Mankind, Triple Eight, or Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, whatever identity, he went under. WWE, their product was different. It was a different time period. I keep hearing that shit. Yeah, it's a different time period. It's a different circumstance because now we don't have audiences. AEW, the reason why their shit is successful is because they're the new shiny toy. Everyone wants to take a look at and be like, hey, this would be cool to pick up and play with. Am I being honest? Yes. Because on this show, I have no fucking filters. AEW shit, the reason why it is a widened success and the broad audience that they acquired is because they don't hold back. There is no fucking filters. There's no repercussions, no reprimands. Well, there's reprimands, but they focus on what the audience would like to see. They feed off of it. They they keep you on the edge of your seat type thing. That's what pushes their product. Is it so different than WWE in the fact that it's entertainment? No. What what it is is that they have a much different roster to work with. Should WWE have utilized Sting? But knowing WWE, when they run out of uh, concepts or ideas, it turns into, hey, you know, this... Is who we're going to fork down your throats or force down your throats? Not really, but this is who we got. We got Goldberg, who suplexed the Undertaker on his head, and a, a guy that won a championship in less than a minute, and then proceeded to lose it to mm, back to Lesnar, which I don't really care or did not care for. It was just the equivalent of watching his match WrestleMania 20. Live at the Garden, I was there for that bullshit. He got booed out of the building. It's not to say that Goldberg doesn't have talent, but forcing that kind of shit down our throat because, oh, well, McIntyre needs to face Goldberg. Why? So that it sets up – this is going to sound really bad, and I'm sorry for doing this, folks, because normally my matches end up – my mock phantom matches that get cast verbally – how about a fatal four-way between Goldberg, Lesnar, McIntyre, and Roman Reigns? I wouldn't put it past them to put that on the WrestleMania 37 poster. Because honestly, if you're doing two-nighter with 16,000 people in a 65,000-seat capacity, you might as well just do it at, you know, at the Amway Center. Fuck's sakes. 16,000 people at at the Raymond James Stadium, why? When you can't even fit the full capacity for it. Oh, you know, people are going to eat up. They're going to, I would love to go. I have been to every single Mania except for the one that didn't include an audience, and they just did it at the Performance Center. So today's product without an audience, it's been difficult. It's been innovative. But it's not innovative enough to the point where it's just like, 
you have ideas and concepts that we all love as fans, and then you just throw it away. Stop doing that. Me wrong. I love professional wrestling, and I haven't sat down and watched a full Raw that has actually captured my attention in quite some time. Because I just keep, you know, watching clips of it. Because Facebook, you know, thank you, Facebook, because, and thank you, social media. Why watch some of it if I can watch some of it through my news feed and my suggested videos? In today's world of professional wrestling, it's definitely new from what it was before because it's got more social media shit. It's definitely... Definitely fucking brand spanking new. The way they conceptualize shit and project their, uh, you know, stories in the ring, especially the men and the women, it's different from NXT versus main roster. Of course, the Dusty Cup classic, thank God, because, you know, it's new, but it's not as captivating as it once was in some aspects. Not NXT, main roster. Has its moments and then it dies. Has its moments and then it dies. Um, you gotta understand, it's a lot harder without an audience, but at the same time, even without an audience, you should make the effort to bring in big names to your shit. So that way, people will be like, hey, did you know Kurt Stallion was on there? Uh, for example, did you know the Good Brothers was, was on AEW tonight? Names are a big deal. Stories, what's going on with MJF and Sammy Guevara? What's going on with Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor? I could go back and forth and compare and contrast as to what sells and what doesn't sell. I'm going to do that a little bit. (coughs) What sells is what is captivating to an audience. Lighting someone on fire captivating is beating the ever-living fuck out of someone. And, oh, man, I can't believe you beat that person up. I can't believe you beat a girl up. Oh, I can't believe you'd even think about that. See? You're already getting the ideology of what entertains one person may not entertain another person. But, you know, TV that's captivating to an audience, especially a pro wrestling audience, shouldn't be that difficult. And I really don't want to be cynical about WWE every single time. Because that shit gets old really quick, really fast. However, maybe because you say you want honesty, you say you want honesty about your product. SmackDown Live has gotten uh, loads better, in my opinion. It's still, you know, annoying the fact that Oscar has to job now to people that are evolving their character. Not to say that Alexa Bliss can't evolve. She already has. But, again, Oscar, who was once dominant, has to be subservient to people like Carmella, um, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair. People she could easily snap like a twig, but yet she's being... Treated as if she was like a piss hand extra, and that's not right. And that pisses me off. Same thing with Shinsuke Nakamura. Ever since he's been on the main roster, boy, man alive, you give him was uh, give him a spot with Cesaro. 
instead of enhancing his talent, you pair him up with Sosaro. That's not a bad pairing, but at the same time, you're allowing fans to brutally attack. I mean, like, why didn't you take advantage of the whole Nakamura Reigns angle? Roman needs someone new to work. Roman's not a bad worker. It's just constantly trying to force him over the heel when he should have done that shit in 2018 or 2019. That's my whole frustration is when you have an opportunity, take the time to reach your audience and be like, oh, man, they actually followed up on something. When you do, don't be don't be mad that the audience gets a love and affinity for what you're doing as far as story goes. In other words, don't be the asshole and say, we didn't like it, so the audience is not going to like this. Production's a fucking mess on the main roster, not just production, but, like, the creative side of things is. Things need to be a whole lot better than what they are right now, and they need it needs improving. It needs improving. I agree with The Undertaker. Guys need to get out of their fucking comfort zone. In other words, you need to revamp everything. You already got the Thunderdome. You have it. Very creative uh, experience where some fans can show up now, about 16,000. Why didn't you do it at an arena? What? I mean, I'm pretty sure that most of those seats are going to be spaced out at Mania, folks, and they've already projected the ideology that uh, WrestleMania 38 is going to happen in LA and 39 is going to happen in Arlington, Texas. But outside of that whole, you know, audience statistic type stuff, you want ratings? Here's the thought. Follow what the audience has been telling you. Look, not at the intense bloggers, but pay attention the words and the verbiage of certain shows that he, you know, give you warning. Like, there's a reason why 1.6 is not a big number. They're demog- they're like they're only paying attention to the demographic from 18 to 49. They're like, I'll watch this fake shit. Guarantee you, that's what comes out of some people's mouths when it comes to wrestling. So you want more attention? Start doing better with stories. And follow up with them instead of fucking making, just doing stuff on the fly is not always good, man. That's all I'm going to tell you. Sometimes doing stuff on the fly works for certain shit, certain shows, types of shows. But when it comes to you're on the main roster and you're changing stuff on the fly, stop doing that, please. It's all a suggestion. If you want edgy characters, if, you know, just I can tell some guys like, well, some people have to have it written for them. I know that's not the case, but if you want to reach an audience, shorten the promos. The action doesn't have to be consistent. Like too much action is too much. Like match after match after match. That's just a. 
Well, you said you wanted action. Yes, we did. We got it. But the action we got was, here's this wrestler versus the wrestler we've seen the week before, just in a different style of match. And what it, it is what it is. You get what you work with. But tonight, folks, I'm going to end the night with a little odd ending. If you'd like to be investing in yourself and becoming a professional wrestler, referee, manager, bell keep, or manager, you can do so by joining Monster Factory in Paulsboro, New Jersey. The information you can find is located on www.monsterfactory.org. Do not email the office. Also, masks are required due to the expanding global pandemic. You are required to wear a mask the entire duration of the practice in which you enrolled in. There are enrollment plans cited on the website on monsterfactory.org. There's even a documentary documenting the world-famous Monster Factory located in Paulsboro, New Jersey, under the tutelage, actually under the ownership, Danny Cage himself, who has produced superstars such as Matt Riddle, Seamus, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Vance Cooley, no, Vance Cooley, um, <clears throat> Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. Gabby Martinez. Just to name a few. Oh, and, and the school's produced, out before Danny, it produced guys like Devo Brown, The Godfather, King Kong Bundy, Tammy Lynn Sitch or Sonny, The Body Donna's. List goes, oh, Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher. list goes on and on, folks. Invest in yourself today. Make that dream of becoming a professional in the world of wrestling at www.monsterfactory.org. The phone number is located directly on there in the email if you wish to enter at your own risk. Email the office if you wish, but it's not to be suggested. And where it's located, it should have an address when you type it in Google. It even pops up as the world-famous Monster Factory. This school is no joke. It is the best, one of the best in the world. So with that, folks, <clears throat> I'm going to end on, if you didn't like what good old Brian Reynolds had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Two of those bitches I got to sleep got work in the morning. Good night. Two of those bitches, I love you all. Thank you all for listening. Tune in next Monday. And... Wednesday, and we have another guest. See you. Personality, the cult of personality.